I'm Neil. And I'm Paddy. Welcome to Invasion of the Potty Snatchers, part three. Yeah, and a bit of a change today. We're going to watch something that Neil's never seen. I've chosen Roman Holiday, the 1953 William Wyler film starring Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn. Yes, I've never seen this one. So why are you forcing me to watch a romantic comedy, Paddy? I kind of love romantic comedies. Um, I will watch almost any thing, including the low-level red and green Netflix Christmas specials. I kind of love them. That's the equivalent of watching Mega Shark for a horror fan, isn't it, really? It's, um, it's nonsense, but you're just compelled to watch it. Yes, it's exactly that. It's Mecha Piranha, <laughs> but with attractive people falling in love. I think that it's quite clearly better than seeing people bitten in half by a robotic spider or whatever. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so since you haven't seen this film, we haven't got a lot to talk about yet. Shall we just get straight in and watch it? I think so. Yeah, that's okay. a good idea. Well, well you've brought the biscuits? I've brought the biscuits because I'm um, a guest at Paddy's today. And today's biscuits are the most Roman of all biscuits, the most Italian biscuits. Garibaldi. Great choice. Let's watch the film. <laughs> Okay, so that's the end of the film. What did you think now? Well, I'm sorry to say, Paddy, I didn't love it. On the other hand, I don't hate it. I mean, there is lots to like about it, but I think the warning signs were there right from the beginning when it said it's an hour and 58 minutes long. I mean, for me, I think that the film is essentially just, just Audrey Hepburn's smile. Every time she's on screen, the film zips by. Every time that we go to something with Joe, played by Gregory Peck, it slows. Yeah, Audrey happens by and large an unknown. And then halfway through, she gets a haircut and suddenly she is transformed into Audrey Hepburn movie star. Yeah. No matter who her character is called, whatever's going on. Something that happened, they recognised in the film. That, I mean, she was given a, a, a below the title billing but Peck said that she was as, at least as much a star in an act of uncharacteristically generous behaviour for any film star at the time. I think that Gregory Peck is known as a, an all-round gentleman overall. Of course, yeah, and a very uh, liberal sort of person. Yeah, and he said he recognised that she was the person carrying the film and said that she needed, not quite equal billing, but she needed above the title billing. He's giving a, one of his most relaxed performances Absolutely. I mean, you know, his big films are sort of happening in the early 60s and following that, To Kill a Mockingbird and Cape so on. Fear. Cape Fear. How the West was won, cementing his position as one of the massive stars of the age, because he, he's starring in that with John Wayne and everybody else. But somehow you look back and this stands out as quite an odd choice. Romantic comedy does not immediately scream Gregory Peck. No, it doesn't. He doesn't necessarily suit it. He's very handsome. And he's very easy to look at in that the whole way through. He's shot very sympathetically, so he does look attractive, even by modern standards. He's a good-looking man, but it doesn't just quite feel natural. His voice is what what sends to throw it. Is that is it stentorian voice? That sort of very authoritative, deep voice, which is always telling you off or <laughs> explaining something to you. And he, yeah, and he just doesn't have the lightness of the voice to. It feels... Yeah, I mean, we could have watched some scenes there without the sound on, and it would have, he would look wonderful. Mm. You know, he, he's very expressive and everything. But immediately he starts talking, and it's just like, ooh, you're a bit stiff, you're a bit... 
Formal. formal. Yeah, formal. Formal. But there are only three roles in the film. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, there's some side Italians. The other person is Eddie Albert, who plays Irving, the photographer. And you had some issues that you rate when we were watching you. Were... Yeah, it was sort of like, is he very slow on the uptake here? It, it's his relationship with. Uh... Uh, with Joe Gregory Peck is established. They're, they're starting out uh, in a late night gambling den, and Irving wins the money that actually finances the rest of the day for yeah. Joe and uh, Anya. And they must be really close friends because Joe persuades Irving to do all. He gives up a girlfriend, a date. He gives up a load of money. So they must be really close. And also, he promises him effectively twelve hundred and fifty dollars, which is a a ticket out of Italy, if he wants it. It's at least three months off. It's three months' work, at least, isn't it? It's at least that. I just feel there wasn't enough there. They weren't easy with each other. There's a lot of comedy play between them, you know, a lot of pushing him over and mm. Irving getting insulted easily. And it just didn't feel like they'd really developed ways of making that business work whilst actually being on good terms with each other. Yeah, it didn't feel quite right there, I agree. Sadly, because I still love the film. Of course. I mean, you know, the first half hour is set up. The last half hour is Mm. odd. I think we'll get into that. But the middle hour is brilliant. And they all, three of them, play their part in it. It's just at times Irving's character is... Because he's almost even more cynical and yet played dumber. And the bits you're talking, the bits that really show up are when Joe is trying to stop Irving from giving the game away. It's It's a repeated... Theme. Yes, it's like you get the impression that other actors would have worked out some shorthand that real life people have with each other. Yeah. For like, relax here, don't say anything. Something's going on. I'll explain later. No. And I, I'm surprised, but Wyler, the director, is famed for being able to get the best performances, some naturalistic performances. Fourteen separate actors got Oscar nominations when he was directing them he was most focused on getting real relationships, real performances out of people. And that just didn't feel like he was getting the best out of those two compared to what he got from Audrey Hepburn. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he gets a very naturalistic performance from her. I mean, okay, she's slightly inexperienced perhaps at the time as well, but she's so light and she's so happy and expressive at times. You can tell when she's dancing with the Italian barber. It's a genuine dance between two people. She's smiling away and laughing with him as if the camera isn't turning over. I wonder if that's the thing, is that her performance is so light and the others are serious. The dissonance between the two is too much almost, isn't Mm. it? A lighter performance from from Peck would have possibly helped. But I don't know, he's not known for the lightness of his touch, is he? He's a serious... He's a serious actor. He's worked with... Hitchcock twice at this point in serious dramas, yeah, know, thrillers yeah, and stuff, yeah. westerns. But he's, I mean, he's wearing a suit that makes him look 10, ten years older than his character actually is. We yes. think Audrey Hepburn's character is meant to be 18, 20 years old. He's meant to be early 30s or something. But he's in that suit all the time. And he, it just, even when he takes it off and rolls his shirt sleeves up around the Coliseum, it's kind of... They look old. They look up. Is it because it was written with Cary Grant in mind and that kind of slightly more, although Cary Grant was always viewed as American, I guess, but he was British and it was that British sort of relaxed, looseness, (laughs) elegance that maybe the American impact couldn't quite inhabit. You know, Irving's character is 
I'm wearing a beard. I'm relaxed. I wear slacks. Yeah, he's more of a hipster, isn't he? Irving yeah. is a hipster. He's almost a proto-beatnik, isn't he? Yeah. And Peck is so staid. So, so straight. So straight. But Clearly meant to be, like, uh, almost a worse character than Irving because he's got no money. He's, he gambles it all the time. He's mm. drinking all the time. He doesn't have a kitchen. He's got, he has to buy his meals everywhere. He's in debt to the landlord. We know that they... Yeah, so... We've set him up as a, a louche kind of person, but he's so staid. Yeah. That, nah, doesn't, you're right. I can see that that doesn't quite fit. And I think it proves that you should never, ever dissect a rom-com. <laughs> well, I was, where this sits in the history of rom-coms is interesting as well, though, isn't it? Oh, very much for me, because I see that it's a, such an obvious precursor to Notting Hill. We've got royalty, and in Notting Hill, that's Hollywood royalty, hanging out, hiding out from their responsibilities with a normal person. And then... Is Hugh Grant normal, though? <laughs> he's meant to be in this. He's okay. just an ordinary travel bookseller in Notting Hill. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing that real people do. <laughs> okay. Okay. And in uh, and in the end, there's the press conference, and the press conference is almost identical. Yes, it apart is. Apart from, in the end of Notting Hill... We have a dramatic conclusion that is climactic and satisfying on an emotional level, where in Roman Holiday, there is a totally different take on that. I think that they take the opinion that Audrey, you, you and I disagreed on this a bit, didn't you? Slightly, we? yeah. So I thought that it was, the, it was the character taking agency and respecting that she can take control of her life and she is making an active choice to be the princess because people rely on her. Yes, well, I think I felt she's being forced into back into duty, responsibility. And also perhaps she's reflected on the fact that she's known this guy for 12 hours. <laughs> that's long enough in a rom-com. You can okay, make those decisions. that's a lifetime, yes. But, 12 know, hours in a long time. She's 19 years old and he's 37 in real life, so you know what? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's a good choice. <laughs> I mean, looking back when she's older, she might think, yes, I need... I mean, that's what you're meant to take away. You need to live your life a little. You need experience before you can move on. But it does feel that she's trapped in her situation. Although I know you feel that she's taken responsibility. I think because I love the film that I take that view. And because you have seen it for the first time and perhaps didn't particularly... You didn't enjoy the last half hour, really. But there's this flabby bit you said. Yeah, there's bits that uh, it dragged a little bit towards the end. what, what really surprised me was there wasn't a climactic kiss. We love each other and they're not allowed to kiss before then. Then they know they like each other. No, they've had this wonderful night out and very naturally they kiss. And it feels perfectly fine within that moment. And it's right. It is half an hour before the film ends, three quarters of the way through. And that's half an hour of angsty dis- feelings. That's angst about what, what decisions they're going to make, which... It's kind of a downer. It's it's a bit of a downer. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know, after after an hour of here's Rome in the gorgeous sunlight, you can do whatever you like. And have a lovely the day. Most beautiful people being on, riding on vespers, being arrested by the police. <laughs> it's <laughs> just eating ice cream on the Spanish steps. Yes, yes. It's and all... then it does go a bit. It is a it's a change of pace to say the least. It is, and then you know you got the the, the sort of clumsy business of trying to wring some laughs out of. Another misunderstanding between Irving. Be and fair, you said you're trying to make some laughs out. You giggle. Okay. They weren't wrung out. They were natural laughs. They weren't. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I can't get away with this now, can I? No. <laughs> but, but no, it's it is quite it's jammed in there. It is a difference. 
tone. Can we just talk about the director? Because I, I mentioned earlier that he's famed for his ability to give, get dramatic performances. I mean, before this, he'd done um, Mrs. Miniver, which was 40s, it's during the war. 41, yeah. It's a classic home drama. Yeah, drama about the Brits, mm-hmm. uh, almost propaganda to bring the American, make the Americans aware of what's going on in Europe before Pearl Harbor occurs. And he's, he's a director with a huge long record of westerns and, oh, Wuthering Heights, of course, mm-hmm. which perhaps is one where he really fails to get a performance out of Olivier. That might be my perspective. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he won three best Oscars, uh, three best director Oscars and was nominated 12 times. Um, and for a wide variety of work. Oh, yeah, huge. Everything from Ben-Hur to... So it's a funny girl, one of his last films. Yes. Yeah. Which is a very light and very good yeah, Barbara yeah. Streisand. Well, clearly he got on very well with Audrey Hepburn as well because he made he makes two films in the, and he only makes five films in the sixties and two with Audrey Hepburn mm. and Funny Girl as well. In the fifties, he is one of those directors pushing back against the studio system as much as the actors are. He's William. This is William Wyler's Roman Holiday. Yes. Yeah, it's his production. There's various reasons why they film in Rome, which we should point out is. An unusual decision at the time to film on location. And it does look gorgeous. And it looks amazing. So one is tax breaks. He can personally benefit from, um, you know, going abroad for a bit or something like along these lines. It's cheaper to produce in uh, Italy on location using all the work, you know, the craftsmen there. Because it's the middle of the Hollywood on the fibre, Cinecita, yes, all of that. All There's of that. loads of highly talented people working. Yeah, Bogart's going to go out there and make the Barefoot Contessa soon and everything. There's there's a lot going on in that sort of thing. There's indications that um, maybe he'd just like to make his film his own way. I think we noticed at the start that Dalton Trumbo is credited. We'll come back to that because, yeah, we think that we've watched yeah. a 70s remaster, a remaster anyway. Yes, that credits him when originally there wouldn't have been possible because another reason that he might be getting away is that he's quite a liberal filmmaker, considered... Uh-huh. left wing for Hollywood standards and that he doesn't want to be in Hollywood and be subpoenaed to speak before the committee of HUAC, the House of Un-American Activities Committee mm-hmm. which is McCarthyism, which is ratting out the Reds. And and that's also why Trumbo's not credited because Trumbo is, Trumbo refused to speak. Yes. And so the Hollywood he was blacklisted. Term. Yeah. Blacklisted. He can't. Hollywood Ten. Hollywood Ten, I think, isn't it? One of the ten scriptwriters who refused to name names had probably been card-carrying communists through the thirties and forties, but persecuted for it because it seemed it's the Red Scare time in Hollywood. You've seen Trumbo. It's a brilliant. That's a that's an enjoyable film too. That's Brian Cranston as Golden Trumbo. It's very fun. If you haven't seen it, definitely worth a little watch. Lots of explanation about. Lots of understanding in that film about what's going on and a really nice dramatic telling of it, I thought. Anyway, not the film we're watching at the minute. Well, not the film, but Roman Holiday seems an excuse to actually literally have a holiday <laughs> in, in Rome. Rome. Yes. For all, and it could be for all these reasons, they all play into the decision, get away from the studios, get away from the money men who have said, right, yeah, you can go there, film that, but... Reduced budget, can't be Technicolor, I think you... Wyler wanted originally to make it in colour. I mean, it would have looked lush, but it would have been very difficult to light using 50s film stock. And so the decision was made in order to make it practical, working in on, on location all the time, to go black and white. 
Yeah, and I, I did wonder whether there was some influence there of the European films coming out from Italy, like such as The Bicycle Thieves, where there's a lot more naturalistic acting and location work. And a lot that, of natural lighting too. Yes, and that did this influence some of the decision-making? So black and white also leads into that, doesn't it? It does. And while it's not a filmmaker who's renowned for his interest in cinematography and he hires local cinematographers to film this, and it's shot beautifully... The actors look stunning. They do look so good. And the sets, the, the action, the, the marketplace is so buzzing. Rome seems so lively. And it looks like a place you would want to be. It really does, doesn't it? When At the end, when she says, what, where's your best place? Of all the places you visited yes. on your tour, Rome, she says Rome. By all means, Rome. And it's not just... I mean, you can't obvious, disagree. It's obvious that she's saying it for, for Joe. But we, we can also feel that it's just been such a great place to be. Yeah, I mean, it just looks wonderful, doesn't it? It's open till well past midnight. There are so many individual setups. One of the scenes that I love, and I know you did too, is the scene where Joe, at his most natural, probably, a peck at his most natural, looking at the photos that um, Irving has taken. Mm -hmm. And there are some stunning setups in there. The, the the, The picture of Audrey Hepburn in front of the Wall of Wishes is beautiful. It is. The picture of Audrey Hepburn and Gregory Peck, which the one that became the, the film poster, is they must have taken ages to get that quite right. Yeah, it's it's a film of many, many charms, principally Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also quite clearly a film with some uneven parts, yes, some questionable decisions in terms of pacing, and an actor, a lead actor who doesn't seem quite comfortable playing a light romantic lead. Yes. So where does that sit between, say, it happened one night 20 years previously and then Notting Hill 30, 40 years later? Well, we've gone from the screwball, absolute chaotic comedy, before the Hayes Code, which um, applied a lot of censorship across what could be shown on film. It happened one night is a riotous storm across America with an heiress and a pressman who were on the run and he's trying to get the story. It's almost exactly the same story. Yeah. Big difference there for me is that it's Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert. Colbert, who sparkle. Unfortunately, it's very static and it's very mannered. Of course, yes. So the, the step 30 years on to get to Roman Holiday, it's a step change because it's so natural feeling. The middle section, the middle section where they're on, where they're doing the day out in town, just feels natural and lively and fun, and has a great pace to it. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Notting Hill, which I do love. Well, you can't be perfect. I do love Notting Hill. Julia Roberts is amazing, and I like and Hugh Grant. I find easy to watch, and that one is just the obvious three films follow on from each other. They're thematically the same, but stylistically quite different. Yeah. Although I do quite like, in Roman Holiday, her taking her agency, as you say, her not needing to marry this man as the ultimate goal, no matter what she is, whether she's a princess or whatever. She doesn't need to marry him. She can move on with her life at her own pace. So let's wrap it up. Okay. For me, Roman Holiday, I can recognise that it's a a binnacle of rom-coms. It's very important in the development of those sort of side of films and in naturalistic filmmaking and so on and so forth. But for me, it didn't quite hit 
the spot. That's because I think, from what you said, you said Peck's too, Peck's too Gregory. He's too much Gregory Peck. He's too Gregory not enough, He's not light enough. Yeah. His voice particularly is... He's not Cary Grant from 20 years earlier. No. Also because it's got far too much angst at the end. And perhaps it also lacks a satisfying climactic ending. It's a downbeat end. It's a surprisingly downbeat end, yeah. Now I'm going to recognise all of those things that you've said, and I'm also going to say I still love this film, but I recognise that I love it because it's Audrey Hepburn being a film star. She's becoming a film star on there, and it's just a joy to watch her. It is, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's enough to make that film for me. I think it probably does for me too, actually, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you go into it thinking, oh, it's Audrey Hepburn. I know all about her, but yeah. Yeah, the, this is her becoming a star, and an incredible star. Yeah, I do think that that is pretty much why this film stand, it still stands as something that you might watch. I think this film avoids the schmaltzy, treacly side of things quite successfully, and that, that makes it a better, lasting sort of film that you can watch these days without thinking, oh my God, it's Doris Day sort of but treacle. It's, it's also not the brief encounter or the end of the affair kind of serious film. Okay, well, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, take care, guys. Bye.